a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday. It's four o'clock. DTR has a problem. I don't know if you can see that. Look. Freddie's doing the cameras today. God help us. Um, I hope you're well. hope you've had a good week. Uh, we've got uh, a busy show, a normal show after the tomfoolery of last week. Um, and we're only three weeks from Expo. Three. Pack show today with lots of stuff. Hello, podcasters. Hope you are well and listening in. Uh, let's start with our letters of the week because we missed one. So the letters of the week this week are S and T. Okay, so uh, let's start off with our story of the week. And actually, it's all about Strictly Come Dancing. Watch this. This is the best. to her look this will make you feel more human you've done it in africa let's do it here didn't work but anyway let's move on from that because her speech at the tory party conference did have a bit of energy about it so she uh, addressed the conference and she said i don't know if you remember last week's show johnny went on about his illustrious leader yeah uh jeremy corbyn talking about creating four hundred thousand green jobs and all that stuff anyway so, uh, old Tessie had a go back this week and said, well, that's all pants because her big problem with Labour's plans is renationalisation. And she worked out that this would going to cost us, if you do the energy sector, remember they want to do rail as well. So it's not just energy and utilities, but if you did the whole package of like the rail infrastructure, etc., that would be a trillion pounds. And what Theresa May was saying was the Prime Minister saying, look, as a, a member of the electorate, you would end up, if you voted for Labour, you'd pay twice. You'd pay through your energy bills, obviously, which you'd have to pay for your energy, and you'd have to pay through taxes because Labour would have to buy the current energy companies. Um, she said, however, look, their plans are much better. They want to go ahead and really prove that they're doing stuff for consumers, which is why the uh, price cap is coming. What is going on? Priest just walked out of the office. She's walked out of the studio, brilliant. Um, so she said that she's going to make sure that the price cap has teeth. And also, the other thing that was interesting is that fuel duty uh, has been frozen for another year. That's the ninth year in a row. So well, we've had all the Labour, Tory, and, well, dare I say the Lib Dem conference. <laughs> Did anyone notice it? So what have I thought about this? Well, we've had uh, Labour and we've had the Tories all looking at energy from a very simple perspective. One is the nationalisation, renationalisation debate. And the second one is about what is good for consumers. Labour went on the kind of, we're going to create green jobs. And the Tories have gone with, you know what, we are your consumer friend, even though we've nicked a Labour idea, which was Miliband's idea of a price cap. So where does this leave, leave us? Well, let's face it, no one knows what the hell's going on with Brexit. But we know for damn sure when it comes to energy, we have a lot of issues to sort out. We need to make sure we have our security of supply. And there hasn't been anything in these two conferences that I've seen that kind of says that. It's all been sort of top lines about, oh, yeah, we're going to help you. We're going to do great things and you can all be doing well. What the energy sector needs, it needs certainty, it needs investment. And I didn't see much of that coming out of either Labour and the Tories. So that is my view on that. Plenty more homework to be done, leaders. 
Right, moving on to uh, the next story. Well, this was all about Talking Energy, and I did a Talking Energy with uh, Robert Groves, the CEO of Smartest Energy, uh, earlier in the week, and it was really brilliant. It was one of the best chats I've had. I think he was hilarious, and if you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it. Incredibly dry humour. He was a former, in the former life, he was a submariner, so he's got these interesting tales, but he's been in energy for about sort of 14, 15 years, I mean, with Smartest for a very long time as well. And it was interesting to get his perspective on where he thinks big energy companies are going. And I've got a clip here that I want to play you, and we'll have a uh, talk about it afterwards, because he addresses the issues around whether the big six have a future in their current state. Let's play this. Do you think the big five now, rather than big six, will still be around? Or do you think the big kind of asset-owning, vertically integrated companies can survive in this new future? Uh, no, I don't think they can survive as they are. And just look at their share price, really, to um, get a view on what the investment market thinks of their viability in the future. And what do you think that, that relates to? Is that relating to the fact that they are facing a troubled time because they've got the big assets that you talked about that actually, A, were closing down through decarbonisation, but B, no one really wants to run them anymore? Well, I think it's. Um, I think they're aware of. They, you know, they're, they're as smart as we all are. Yeah. <laughs> they they have the similar sort of view. I think it's a generally held view of the future. But we're um, still going to need some big generation assets, aren't we? Who's going to run them? Well, I don't think necessarily they will be the right people to own those assets. Um, and I think they're in a um, conflicted position. Their ability in their ability to prepare for that new future because they. Uh, have a conflict of interest where they're trying to protect their existing business models. And it will take a very brave CEO of one of those companies to turn that back on that existing business mm. and then try and reinvent at the expense of that business something that is uncertain and as yet unproven. So what was that about? Interesting, hey? The idea that, you know, the big six know what's going on. And obviously you'd say, well, hang on, Robert would say that because he is running a rival to the big six. But I think his points are very valid. Who will run the big assets? You know, the big system uh, of energy that we've had for more than 100 years is really under threat with what's going on now in terms of how energy is deregulating in lots of the renewable generation. So I think his point is very true that in a way they're slightly conflicted because their model is built on big assets and big bits of kits. And, and that's, don't get me wrong, that's absolutely necessary right now. We have to have those big, huge power stations and whether it be turbine assets or, you know, coal fire, which has been closed down or whether it's gas or whatever, you, you'll need some sort of big kit. But if people aren't interested in taking the risk on that kit... Who will? So you'll have the big six, uh, well, big five soon to be, as I said in that interview, facing a real issue, which is the energy sector is moving away from the model that they have, but their financial model is built on having that big kind of top-down system and, and the vertically integrated companies. And I think Robert's point is that there will be players, and if you've watched the whole interview, he talks about there are going to be disruptors that we don't know who they are yet coming through. And I think that's a fair point. Will the big six be in trouble? I don't think they'll be in trouble, but will they have to relook at what they're doing? I think they will. And to be honest, I think most of them already are. So 
watch that interview though it's on our website and uh, i think it's a, a very interesting look not just at that but he talks about various issues including technology and, and data security which i think is going to be a bigger and bigger part of what we get into and then my final story in this section is about Ofgem. <laughs> oh yes my favorite group good old Ofgem. anyway they've gone digital Ooh, uh. So what's happening is uh, they've invested six million quid in a digital marketplace for energy. This is actually run by one of the network companies, uh, the DNOs. It's uh, SP Energy Networks, so Scottish Power's one. And the idea is that this this platform called Fusion, is that right, Johnny? I think it's called Fusion, isn't it? Project Fusion, Project Fusion right. So Project Fusion is a way that you can trade energy locally. It'll be a platform that's been run, <coughs> excuse me, and Ofgem has invested six million quid to help it work. Now... Yeah, I'm, I'm, we still haven't quite got to the bottom of why this has been given by sort of government money to a DNO. But I assume the idea is that DNOs, uh, if you know what they are, district network operators whose names are changing soon, but people like UK Power Networks and various other ones uh, around the country, they, they basically help you with your local energy networks. So they take big power and they make it smaller so that we can have it coming into our homes. And the idea is that uh, with this kind of trading platform, you'll have uh, businesses. So, for example, where we are in North London, we might have our neighbours next door producing energy. There's a Sainsbury's down around the corner. Uh, we might have another company that's using it. We could all go and trade with each other and go, actually, guys, we need some power now or you need some power. Do you want to swap? Do you want to trade? Do you want to feed it back into the grid? There are stories of these kind of local traded networks already in places like Cornwall there's one we did one about one in Hackney I think as well so this is no new thing I think Ofgem is slightly behind the curve but you've got to say fair play when they do something <laughs> I don't congratulate them very often when they do something that uh, is looking at the future and one of the interesting things is um, they'll be able to trade locally there's no specific generation on this so it's not like you can only trade renewable energy and I think that's quite interesting right now we need people to be able to use these platforms to trade whatever power they're generating from whatever source. And of course, with things like whether you believe in blockchain uh, or cryptocurrencies, the digitalization of trading, uh, this is going to be something that happens more often. So there's our main three stories. Tell me what you think about that and uh, we'll have a chat about that. Not yet, Johnny. I've got to do Viewpoint this week. He's already keen. Yeah, the hell. Uh, let's move on to this week's Viewpoint. Okay, so uh, I thought this was interesting. We did a story, in fact, Johnny did do this story, about smaller firms giving worse customer service. So Citizens Advice uh, had a look into it, and it did a survey and an index on customer service, and it found that the smaller firms, lo and behold, are doing worse than the bigger firms. In fact, uh, two of them were singled out. Uh, Toto Energy came bottom of the list, and then second bottom was Solarplicity. I think that's how you... Uh, pronounce their names now what's this all about what they said is that basically um off need to look at the way they decide who is a supplier because citizens advice said that many of these companies don't have the infrastructure to deal with the issues around customer service and that they should be vetted more thoroughly before being put forward uh gillian guy who's the sort of uh, boss of this section of 
the Citizens Advice Bureau said, Ofgem needs to tighten its rules uh, on who becomes a supplier to make sure that consumers are protected because it's clear that many of these companies don't have the infrastructure at present to deal with these volumes. Uh, what have they said? Well, you've got to give right to reply. Toto said that they were taking steps since the survey was done, which was a few months back by Citizens Advice, and have improved things. And Solar Policy said that the survey results that where they came was unfair because at the, the time that this was done, they were having a big IT restructure and that really affected uh, the core handling and the way they were doing things. Both have said that they're going to continue to work with Citizens Advice. So here I am on this point. Now, now let's look at this. We've had, I think... In the eight years we've been going, we've seen, I think, probably the number of suppliers outside the big six go from about five to about 95. Yeah. So that's an enormous growth. And most of that growth has happened in the last two to three years. Many of them have been companies that do supply only. Uh, in fact, nearly all of them are supply only. And a lot of them have come from things like councils. You know, we've covered the stories. Both Johnny and Pree have written about councils having uh, sort of energy companies and also players who haven't got a background into it. Now, I'm all for the idea of people trading and buying energy at cheaper rates and being able to switch supplier. But this proves something very, very pertinent, which is it is a complicated business energy and it has human beings at the end of it. Okay, it's not, you know, when we do our phone contracts, they're pretty simple. We literally go, we want a phone, yes, no. It's as simple as that. Oh, I may have been paid more text. You can do lots of things online with phones. And actually, a lot of companies have kind of in a very easy chat system. Plus, phone companies are built for this. You know, retailers, telecoms, they're way ahead of the curve compared to energy sector companies. And I think a lot of these energy companies are still suffering from the fact that they're from a background where, even the new people that have come in, they're from a background where they think, you've done the actual billing. Once you've done the billing, off you go, that's it. But people have problems. They get charged incorrectly. They may have an issue with their supply. They may have an issue with installation of smart meters. And you need to have an infrastructure. So I'm not against small companies coming to the sector. I think that's a, a bloody good thing. But you can, can't have it that you are always slating the big six when they have the infrastructures in. And they do, for the, the amount of customers they have, they have pretty good customer service. So this proved that smaller suppliers do have an Achilles heel. They need to make sure that their housekeeping, all their stuff that they've got behind that interface is up to scratch. And I think Citizen Advice have done us all a favor by looking at this. As I'm not saying that, that the smaller suppliers shouldn't be in the game. What I am saying is, don't go into it until you're fully aware of what this market's about. And it's a complicated one. That's my view. Tell us what you think. Email us. Use the hashtags. You know the score. Now we're on to the bit he's been waiting for. The banter box. I know. I look, it looks like he's been a cameraman. Now, bro. Look at that. Well done, Freddie. Wow. Go on then, say something. All right, everyone. Uh, hello. This is England. This is England, yeah. You were wearing a, uh, a uh, mm, second-hand denim jacket. Yeah. You've had a photo of that, actually. I'll, do, I'll come on next Friday. No, do I it. won't. I'm at home. Friday after. Yeah, you're at home next Friday. You took a day off, didn't you? Yeah. Why did you take a day off, guys? Because <clears throat> yeah? I'm... Yeah? Why did you go over. off? Did it... 
when we're at the busiest period where Freddie got an absolute bollocking just for having holiday, right? We're at the busiest period coming up to our expo, which is great. We'll talk about that later. He wants a day off on a Friday to help his girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> Elena, if you're watching, he, you don't need him. He's a liability. He can't write here, let alone look at your essays. Poor. Yeah, no it's only because Pri's soft that she let you have the day off. I would have said no. Anyway, let's get on with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so, first of all... Yes? When I say Hindenburg, what does that mean to you? Hindenburg. Mmm, let me think. Oh, gas. Gas that's explosive. Yes. Gas that reminds me of you. Hydrogen. Yeah, Which so. is what... Uh, it burns with a squeaky pop. Yeah, but more importantly, hang on, let's do your basic physics. This is why I like chemistry. physics. This is why I like physics. Yeah. Hang on. What, what, what are What's we, the what's most the common element in the universe? Carbon. I've just set you up all well, this carbon, time. I'm pretty sure carbon is. No, it's not your fault. Everything's hydrogen. made of carbon. No, hydrogen. It's in the stars. Uh, hydrogen then. Hydrogen fusion, hydrogen fission, okay, whatever. All right, whatever. Anyway. HES Energy, uh, they're developing a concept plane. It's not in production yet. Okay, make it small so we can see the plane. Whee! Go on, make it small here. Do it, make it wee. Go on to here. Go on to here, do it. Go on to here, you can do it. Yeah, as well done. Right, okay. So now that is quite a striking plane. Quite yeah, because like it. it hasn't been designed yet, so they've just drawn a cool picture of yeah, Microsoft Paint. Yeah, but it does look like Yeah, uh, But no, it is cool. Uh, it only fits four people, this design. <laughs> But it is a work in progress. So this hydrogen plane basically is being developed so this company can hopefully deliver zero emission flights. Obviously, the aviation sector creates yes. lots of pollution. Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison last Ford, week. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it could be refueled in less than 10 minutes as well. So it could be quite efficient. What about the whole kind of blowing up part that the Hindenburg had? Yeah, well, that's what the, the question was. That's where the banter comes into the box, you see. Uh, would you fly in a hydrogen plane? Obviously, jet If fuels. you were piloting it, no bloody chance. No, I would be the sexy stewardess. Oh or my steward, God. you know. Gender neutral in this office. Yeah. You'd take any role. Um, I don't know. But, but what would be the advantage? Um, I'll ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the advantage of going uh, in that plane? There would be no emissions. There's no emissions in this plane. Apart from in the cabin. Anyway, yeah, but no, but obviously, to be honest, is it people hear hydrogen plane and they think, oh, that's awful, you know, yeah. it could crash and explode. No, but but jet fuel is pretty cars. flammable as well. We've got hydrogen. I don't cars. think it would be much more dangerous. <coughs> um, and no, I would ride in it. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, I wouldn't. So would I. I can't afford it. Are they actually going to build this, or is this kind of like a concept that they want one of the big manufacturers? No, to there pick are up? lots of concepts like this that obviously are pie yeah. in the sky uh, but I, this company actually has kind of a realistic plan uh, drawn out so they're hoping to create a prototype that can fly by 2025 and I think that will happen it can go up to 5,000 kilometers that's as far as Lagos which is further than most electric planes that exist not bad Lagos is in Nigeria by the way guys and yeah it can be refueled in less than 10 minutes so how long does a normal plane take an hour to do a turnaround? Well, yeah, well, if it's Ryanair, about five minutes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Chris yeah. packets are loaded and that <laughs> off you go. Uh, other, allegedly. Um, right, uh, now, planes flying. Yeah. Affecting the climate. Flies? Oh, yeah, and also flying are hummingbirds. Yeah. Uh, and so in the US, hummingbirds basically are being severely oh. threatened. Can we be small again so we can see the hummingbird? 
Come on, Tia. Go on, Tia. Go on, Tia. No, Tia, wrong way. <laughs> Go on, hang on, hang on. She's, she's having a moment here. Go on, Tia. Hey. It's a very nice hummingbird, actually. If anyone can name the plant, I'll give you a tenner. Uh, Niferous Faniferous. No, Ocotillo. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, so, right, so this red plant, this is actually Ocotillo. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, uh, according to this new uh, scientist, basically, are saying that Ocotillo is blooming too early in the year now because of climate change. So the weather's warmer. The Ocotillo, Ocotillo flowers are opening in January rather than summer. And I trust this is in Africa or somewhere like that. Or this is in the South, US. South America. It's in Coachella Valley. Coachella. Isn't that where they have those weird raves? Yeah, the Freddy weird... goes to that. Yeah. Coachella. Yeah, it's in uh, the Coachella Valley. Oh. And is that meaning the little hummingbirds well, are not... the birds then fly over, uh, over this region on their migration. Yes. And they go, oh, I'm thirsty. I need some nectar to drink. Of and course. they fly down. And then it turns out the Ocotillo has been open since for months. So other people have drunk it. Outrageous. I don't know what kind of other people drink out of Ocotillos, but they do. Uh, so basically the hummingbirds then, the, the researchers have said that the hummingbird numbers are declining. They can't prove that it's linked to this, but they believe okay, it. Okay, this is all good, but what, what can we do about it? We can't do anything about it. We could all stop driving cars, stop flying planes, uh, Or know, we go could find grid. the little hummingbirds and give them bits of nectar. We could pipette nectar into their yeah. beaks. Yeah. Do you know that they don't drink water? I didn't know that. Mm. I know that the certain species of hummingbirds are the smallest birds, though. Yes, they are. Mm. With the fastest metabolisms, and they go into a torpor every night, which is a That just sounds, stuff. that sounds like Freddy, doesn't it? <laughs> that really fast metabolism going off. Just like, <laughs> exploding. What if you do is take Freddy out? It's, it's the same thing. Well, their routine's been Their routine, exactly. <laughs> Imagine that, it's like taking away his little Rice Krispie things and yeah. hiding his peanut butter. <laughs> Literally, like, flap around. Be looking, where is it? So, yes. This is a very sweet story. Yeah. I think it's just something we should all be conscious about. Excellent. Yeah. And finally, I had to find you an interesting story. That's you a roof find one. hummingbird, by the way. Just in case well done. Right, all right, we need to be small again. Your head's in the fish's mouth. Ah! It's not the right fish, but I'm going to... Is that the Meg? That is the Meg. In the Meg. background. What was that quote from the Meg? It was brilliant. I can't remember now. Get living, dying or something. My favourite quote was, how do you deal with so much trauma? Yeah. I don't. I don't. This yeah. is exactly it. So, we have a fish eating a light bulb for people on the podcast. Yeah. Explain more. I've got an interesting angle for this one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh come on. Come on, mate. That was good. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah. So have you done some deep research on this? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I cast out my net. Free! Uh, All right, keep going. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it turns out, I'm not going to say where this story's come from because it would be a massive, massive plug, but plug. Green, or blue, <laughs> green or blue LEDs yes. uh, could actually be used to replace lights used for fishing. And I hear people saying, what lights used for fishing? And it what turns lights out, used for fishing? Exactly. So it turns out that lots of fishermen uh, put their light bulbs above water. Not right. a euphemism. And then the fish are photo... A fish have a feature in their brain uh, called it's iOS 7 called <laughs> phototaxis. Right. And it means that they are incredibly attracted to light sources. Yes, so which is some, the anglerfish. Yeah. yeah. So some fishermen uh, put light above water. Right. Uh, this is common in sulfuric light fishing seen in certain parts of Asia, I realised today. Uh, and they put the light above the water, all the fish swim up, and then they can be caught more easily. 
So basically, the lights that fishermen yes. use to do this are usually incandescent bulbs. They use loads of electricity. We're getting to the energy angle now. Yeah, the energy so angle. So this is going to be sustainable, nice, much much better for the environment, these lights. Yeah, so the lights they use are very bright, but they rely on a diesel generator, which oh. is noisy and polluting. Oh. And the noise scares the fish off. Or they use batteries, and then the fishermen have to bring like loads of battery packs, which right. they don't usually do. Uh, so the LEDs actually mean that the lights can run on, you know, one battery can power them for much yep. longer. Um, and yeah, so they're more, they're basically less energy intensive. And what fish like to be caught this way? Well, it ah, sounds like, no, this sounds that, like a they? sweeping statement, but apparently <laughs> all fish uh, do have phototaxis installed in their data banks. <laughs> So all fish. Also known as a break. So all fish. What I do like about there. this, well, this picture started off in various guises. If you're listening, it's a picture of a bulb and a cod or something. But behind, it's just a above. I like the little shark. You see that? I like it's bitten our hand off. Aha. The Meg. Yeah. I like that story. That's why I found it and gave it to you. Mm. Although you made a hash of it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> and let's bring in the more sensible and far more attractive. Although I can't say that these days. Should I? Should you want to dance in? Yeah, do a Teresa. <laughs> dance <laughs> Pop in. Uh, tell me your stories. Hello. Hello. Everyone. Oh, Hi. we're gone. I don't oh, know where we're gone. Oh, I can't see the screen. It's all happening, don't worry. Okay. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Yes, so should I start go with my first story? Well, you could do, or we could just sit here goldfishing <laughs> like a couple no, of times. No, I'm trying cons. to see the screen up there. Uh, okay. Right, your first story Elon is? Elon Musk, your favourite person I in the world. I love Mr. Muskie. Yes, so... I'm losing my hair, and look, see, look, 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 I reckon... That's a pretty old picture of him. Yeah, though. but I could do an mm. Elon. I reckon I should go and have an mm. Elon. What do you reckon? I think Johnny fancies Elon Musk. Does he? I've got a better tan. That's for sure. And most of this is actually my own cheeks. So that's quite good. <laughs> not I'm saying that Elon has anything else. He gets more attractive as he is. As he does, indeed. Okay, we're not here to talk about how good looking you or not so good it. looking he anyway, is. Anyway, go on. But so Elon Musk, he's uh, agreed to pay 20 million pounds. Dollars. Sorry, 20 million dollars. I'm so used to saying pounds because we're in the UK, obviously. So 20 million dollars. Um, Tesla has also agreed to pay 20 million dollars. Whoa. And Elon Musk has, has also agreed to quit as chairman of Tesla. And this is all he's And this is all to? because oh, this is um, following uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the US. Um, started a proceeding against him. Because all because of a tweet. Yes. So you've got loads of kids. You've got to be really careful. Yeah, really careful. We've got loads of kids just tweeting whatever they want. And this is what you have to do. Pay $20 million in a fine. Uh, So basically what he tweeted was that he could take Tesla private at £420 per share. And... um, But he didn't have the money and he didn't have the the ability to basically... Yeah, so the SEC in the US basically said that there was no proof of this. Um, it was a false statement to the market, basically. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, Tesla, well, well, no, <laughs> Tesla and Elon Musk. The reason I say allegedly is because Tesla and Elon Musk has agreed to settle the charges, paying the fine, stepping down, without actually admitting or denying the yeah, allegations. Yeah, that's exactly. It's, yeah. Th- this is the thing. This is a little curiosity <laughs> of uh, the law in uh, America, in where US, you can yeah. have this thing where you're 
not guilty, but you're sort of guilty, but you're not guilty either. Mm. So it's a very interesting one where you don't admit liability and yet you still pay the fine. Yep. Um, what does this mean for Tesla, do you think? Uh, well, because of the tweet, um, the allegedly um, uncertain, inadequate tweet uh, led to Tesla's stock prices jumping by more than 6%. percent mm. Um, so I think, I mean, a lot of people have been discussing, arguing about the fact that Tesla could be going down. Yeah, but they've been saying We've that seen, for ages. Yeah, I mean, they you have. Could, you could say that, is it, is it his company or is it, you know, it's like people think Richard Branson is still virgin. Well, he's not mm. really. You know, he's like a figurehead and then he's partially involved in many things. Yeah, but, but he's the face of virgin. Yeah, so everybody exactly. knows him as a virgin. And Elon is the face of, of Tesla. Of, of Tesla. Yeah. But, you know, Tesla is as still a company that's got a lot of, assets there and I'm sure mm. you know it's in pretty good shape but I do think this shows you that um, well I think it's very interesting that you know you've got to be so careful with what you say in front of the markets yeah and you've got to back it up I mean who would have thought you just tweet something and a few months down the line you're going to be paying 20 million dollars who would have thunk it okay <laughs> um, we did uh, reach out to Tesla for a statement yes and what did but, Tesla say uh, they Decline. never got back to me oh, never got back to surprised. me uh, let's go back Shame. home. Let's come back to the UK and yep. talk about charities. Charities in and the this, UK. You, always, you guys always love this picture of the piggy bank. Don't know why. You always use Variations this. of the piggy bank. Yeah. I, no, no. Make us smaller. <laughs> <sighs> oh, sorry. If we're oh. not looking at the camera because we're trying to look at the screen. No, yeah. we've seen it. There we go. Okay. So the piggy bank, because uh, charities in the UK mm -hmm. have been offered a share of £2.5 million. Okay. Uh, to help vulnerable vulnerable customers, so any, those are paying energy bills. And who's who's giving the money up? So the money um, is part of a fund. It's called the Energy Redress Scheme. Um, it's being administered by the Energy Savings Trust. Right. Uh, but and the money, money comes from... from it comes from suppliers. So energy suppliers in the UK who have made voluntary payments over the year uh, because um, they they've breached off gems rules basically. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, it's, it's, it's a fine fund, basically. You it is you... a fine, but uh, they don't like to say it a fine. They like to prefer calling it voluntary payments, which is of a load of, well, load, of load of corporate speak. Um, but let's face yeah. it, when they get fined, they have to do something good, and this is what it... But, you know, well, that's good. At least they're doing, you know, two and a half million quid doesn't sound a lot, but... But it, it is could, the biggest it, one so It is, far. yeah, and it can yeah. help a lot of people, particularly as we're entering the winter months now as well. Mm. So uh, the the deadline is the 15th of October to get in touch. But I think the Energy Savings Trust has said uh, that those wanting to apply need to fill out this form on their website right. uh, two weeks prior. So, well, they should be done by now, hopefully okay. this week. And then I mentioned and it earlier with Theresa May, fuel duty. Yeah, fuel duty. So Theresa May, during the uh, Tory party conference after the dance, mm -hmm. uh, announced that fuel duty will be frozen for the ninth year in a row. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure the Chancellor, Philip Hammond, isn't going to be very happy with this because he'd previously said that if because it's been going on since 25 years, um, sorry, ninth year, so 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, so the Chancellor Philip Hammond previously said that if this was to go on for another three years, it would cost the Treasury thirty-eight billion pounds. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess now that yeah, uh, but the this Prime is Minister politics, has isn't it? Yeah, announced, absolutely. Um, he needs to include it in his budget, it, it, which it, is later this month. Which is later this month. Uh, I think this um, is the thing is though, if you look at where fuel, we're in a real transition phase right mm. now. So you know, I just bought a car, diesel, which is weirdly. What? 
Can you believe it? Yeah, you bought evil. a diesel? I did. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. See, evil without knowing the facts. This is it. Reactionary journalism. This we is don't it. go for that. We've been writing all these stories about diesel uh, and I, petrol. Right, so let, let, me, let me explain this. Okay, so my old Golf, which was petrol, mm -hmm. produced far more emissions than my new ultra clean diesel. Now, I didn't want to get diesel, but the guy actually said, showed me the emissions thing. And here's the funny thing. Mm. The diesel is cleaner. The diesel turns itself off. It pro produces far less pollutants because it's got all this trap and it's got this new little thing in it, which I didn't know. But if you've got a diesel car, you'll know new cars now have this little thing that captures all the gubbins, all the kind of knocks and stuff like that. And so you could say that actually... Even though I've gone from petrol to diesel, it's I'm now more, cleaner yeah. and the... morally take the higher ground. <laughs> but not when you tell people you drive a diesel car. No, not really. I don't really mm. care. Anyway, I've got it short term because I know there's going to be a hybrid coming along soon. Nice. There you go. For three years. And we can there make you go. a film out of it. We can make a film out of it. Um, so just for people's reference, uh, the tax paid. Mm -hmm. So it's a tax that's been that's paid on most fuels, and currently it's uh, 57.95 pence per litre. Which is massive, mm. because a pint uh, a, a, a litre I mean, costs how much? I don't know. I don't. Who knows car. here how much a litre of petrol costs? Freddie's like, I don't know. <laughs> just fill it up. Freddie just like finished Johnny this doesn't, up already. Johnny doesn't need to because Dad pays for it, so it doesn't bother him. I don't really drive. Yeah, exactly. It's about one thirty, so you know, 50, 50, 57 pence, sixty pence of that. Nearly sixty pence. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, nearly half of it is going in tax. So that's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of a, a kick in the teeth for environmentalists, but you can kind of see why she's done it. Yeah. So what the Green Party has said, Caroline Lucas said that the money could be invested elsewhere rather than giving it to diesel and petrol cars. Fair so, point, I mean, but do also you, you can see that. Look after consumers, saving money. Do you want to look after the environment? I mean, it's, it's all about money. Difficult to balance. follow the money. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and finally. And finally. Oh, can I also say just briefly? Yes. Uh, Philip Hammond has also announced a review into uh, utilities regulators. So that includes water and energy regulators, uh, and it, he hasn't given out too many details about it but it will be uh, run by the National Infrastructure Commission. Mm -hmm. So hopefully sometime later this year, he'll make the announcement over okay. the next couple of weeks. We will watch that with interest. Yep. And finally, this is finally, uh, if you have any stories, do send it over to stories at energylivenews.com and have a lovely weekend. Bye. Amazing. She's amazing. Freddie, you'll have to do some work now. Try and move the camera. Go on, Freddie. Go on, Freddie. Go on, Freddie. I'll move that out of the way to make your life easier. How's that? No, Freddie. No, no, no. Okay, cut. No, keep going, Freddie. Go on, Freddie. No, no, Freddie's in. No, Freddie, in. In. Look at that. That's it. Look at the screen, mate. Okay, now I seem to have lost. My head is now way over the top. So Tia will have to make me a bit smaller. So this, this show is going so well. Actually, Tia's now taking over the camera. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. No. Also, what's quite interesting, I'm sort of floating constantly in this week's show. So that's, that's quite good. There you go. There you go. I'll stay here. Hold it there. Hurrah. Okay, let's talk about what's coming up, our diary dates. And I mentioned it already. Expo on the 31st of October. We have Claire Perry, the Energy Minister. She will be coming and speaking. We can ask her about a lot of those things that you've just heard right now, about the uh, fuel duty, about the future of where 
energy security will be as we enter the Brexit period. As I mentioned last week, we have Neil Clitheroe joining our CEO panel. He is uh, the boss of uh, Scottish Power, so uh, Iberdrola. And he will be joining uh, Martin Pibworth, uh, Beatrice Bijoir and Ian Funnell. Uh, they will be discussing, in an energy question time, the issues that matter to you. So uh, watch out for that. Now, we are pretty uh, full right now. We've got about 320 registered. We've got room for about another 30 to 50 put more. So if you would like to come along, please just go onto the website, click on the page for Expo. You'll find the entire, pretty much entire 30 sessions are all there now, so you can have a look at it. And then Harry will get you registered. Just click on the link and Harry will register you for that. And then in December, we have ELPA, the Energy Live Personality Awards, which are going through right now. Freddie, when's the closing date? Tuesday the 9th. Tuesday the 9th. So you've got next week. Uh, try and get your entries in. Freddie will be there, chomping at the bits. Um, do enter. It's going to be a right laugh. We're going to be on the Silver Sturgeon. And it's a great chance to celebrate uh, the interesting and amazing people we have in the industry. Well, that's about it for this week. Uh, no time for shout-outs this week, unfortunately. We've got to get going. But I will leave you with this nice final thought. Today is International Teacher Day. And there's my favourite teacher, Mr Garrison. Ah, Mr Garrison, how are you? Uh, he told kids loads of interesting things that we can't repeat because this is a family show. But uh, to teachers, including my mum, well done, Mum. You taught a few people. Most of them ended up criminals, but hey, you did your bit. Um, you know, teachers, they have a role, don't they? Where would it be? Favourite teachers? Tia, favourite teacher? Mr Bunce. Mr Bunce. Johnny? He's got a restraining order. He's got a restraining order. Freddie, favourite teacher? Mr Goddard. Mr Goddard. And Pre, favourite teacher? Miss Shardamuck. Miss Shardamuck. Well done. Teachers of the world unite. We salute you. We'll see you next week. Adios. Bye.